Hello and welcome back to the third episode of What Crashes My Program. I'm Gabriel and today I'm joined by... Uh, my name is Lucian, once again. And I'm Victoria. Alright, so who would like to start off with their program crashing? Lucian? Uh, well, I guess we do a we do a decent amount of building programs and such. Mm-hmm. Um... For me, my my crash program incident was a little bit more physical, where I uh, so I've owned the same water bottle for I want to say around three to four years. Uh, that thing's been through me or been through. I hope it hasn't been through you. That thing's been with me through a uh, thick and thin, and I recently went to a restaurant uh, up in Cambridge called Clover. And I made the mistake of leaving my water bottle on one of the tables in the corner. Oh, no. And I came back uh, two days later. So there was a day of rest in between. And I came back and I asked one of the guys if he had seen my water bottle. And he looked at me and he was like, no, we usually just throw those things away. <laughs> and I was like, A metal what? water bottle. Yeah, I was like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, like if we see things just laying around, we usually just throw it away. And I was like, how, like, <laughs> what happens in someone's brain that makes them, like, look at something that is obviously so, so dear to someone's heart? Like, that thing is covered in <laughs> it stickers. It had a lot of stickers on it. It, it yeah. covered, covered in stickers. A lot of memories. Covered in, in stuff. You do uh, have a bad a, habit of not, of, like, losing or having that water bottle stolen from you. Having mm-hmm. something stolen from you is not a habit. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make I that mean, completely I don't know. clear. The fact Maybe that you do something that makes it really easy it to is, steal. If you if you had a hundred dollars and someone took it from you, is that a bad habit? I would say no. If you are getting mugged on the street, <laughs> how is uh, that? How is that? A habit? Okay, yes. However, uh, about yes. The that is a good point. Fool me once, shame on you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fool can't get fooled again. <laughs> But um, no, that's kind of weird. I wonder if they would do that with anything or if it's just like... I don't know. Yeah, what if you left your phone? Yeah, would they throw your phone away? <laughs> Destroyed. <laughs> oh, someone left a metal rectangle here. I don't know what that <laughs> is, but I'm throwing it away. <laughs> Restaurant policy. My reptilian brain cannot understand <laughs> what that is, so I'm uh, going yes. to destroy it. If item left. <laughs> destroyed. Item equals destroyed. That's, I mean, that's like... I wonder if the guy just took it for himself. Yeah, what if you know, go dude. back to Clover and you see that guy take a sip out of your I water would be bottle? Beyond livid. <laughs> I would tear that place to the ground brick by brick. Also, when I was in Clover eating, it was really interesting. There was this grown man playing uh, on the pinball machine. They have a pinball machine in the store. It's pretty cool, pretty retro. They have two of them, actually. And he was getting really into it on a game of pinball, but he had ordered food. And he had ordered, like, a pretty large amount of food. I'm not sure if he was, like, bringing it back to me. It looked like a to-go order. And it had been completed, and the people were, like, calling his name. And he would, like, look over them and be like, oh, one sec, one sec. Like, I'm still He was too I'm still into working. the game. Yeah. That's so and funny. And the people were like, dude, you have to pick this up. And they were, like, kind of, like, aggressively, like, talking to him and, and trying to get him to come over and, and grab whatever it was and and he was like yo like like give me a second i'm i'm busy and the whole time i was like this is one a grown man that is so (laughs) involved in a game of pinball that he can't get his food and also workers that are so i guess 
angry about this that they don't even like have the understanding to just put it down on the counter yeah, yeah. That's they, they have a, they have a counter with like that i'm i'm assuming is where food's supposed to go and uh eventually they got kind of clued in and decided to put the food onto the counter <laughs> yes. and just let him come to it eventually but it was a very interesting interaction between mm. full-grown adults mm. <laughs> and i was like wow this still happens these clover guys sound like they have a really strict company policy yeah really like they're always being watched honestly i mean i kind of understand it oftentimes uh like natural food and um i guess like health healthy food places Mm. um are watched like pretty heavily oh is that i've never been to clover so yeah okay yeah so clover is like an all vegetarian uh, dining place. It's like okay. I think it's called like Clover, like Food Science or something. Food Labs, yeah, I food think. Labs. Yeah, very yeah. Cambridge. Okay. Yeah, right. And so, yeah, it's pretty cool. Definitely have good food, and I don't know. They just probably have pretty strict policies. I remember there was a, um, I think it was a juice bar slash smoothie place near where I lived in California, that had it, it made amazing food, but. It, whenever the health inspector would come, they would rip through it and, like, cite them for having all sorts of things wrong. Like, like things that were so weird, such as having, like, a canned item, like, on the floor. They would, like, lose points <laughs> for that. And I don't know. It's, it's interesting because oftentimes health food place – well, not oftentimes, but in this case, mm. um, this health food place uh, – I think like the people didn't necessarily like use gloves all the time because they didn't like they didn't use like plastic gloves mm-hmm. like disposable gloves all yeah, the time right. because they would just like wash their hands and then work with food and then okay. just like keep their hands clean. Right. But I guess that's not like as sanitary as like yeah. w- when you use gloves. use gloves and have like like I guess in like fast food and places like that they're not afraid of like just using a bunch of garbage to like no. like yeah just throwing a lot of things away. And this place was trying to be a little bit more conscious, and it just mm-hmm. got trashed on by the health inspector every time he came around because of that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, when I used to work at um, Duck Donuts, and we had those little plastic gloves, but you're still always supposed to wash your hands before that. Mm-hmm. So you wash your hands and put on the gloves. And there's always these like things about like cross contamination. So like if someone yeah. came with like peanut allergies, we would have like icing containers in the back to mm-hmm. keep like peanut stuff away from them. But um, it wasn't really like that strict. I don't think like we had there were cameras in our in the uh, restaurant I guess you'd call it donut shop mm-hmm. but it's not like people were like watching it like if you wanted to find something someone bad was doing you'd have to go through like whatever 12 hours footage yeah so like we were pretty much free to do whatever we want mm-hmm. and there's like not that many people came in like in the middle of the day when I worked like Saturdays and stuff mm-hmm. so we were pretty free to do most of our stuff but I will say if someone left something in there actually I do remember it happening we just put like a wallet or something just underneath the counter It'll just stay there for as long yeah. as it takes for it to get claimed. Yeah. It was very strange. Yeah, obviously not at Clover, which nope. yeah, made me v- extremely sad, to say the least. And I'm uh, I'm chronically dehydrated, <laughs> and this is only going to exacerbate the problem. So if I, by any chain of events, am, like, not present, present at a place where I should be, uh, you know, check anywhere where I might have passed out because of dehydration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, things are going to get real rough. So definitely keep an eye out for that. For sure. You won't stoop to the level of using water fountains? 
Oh, no, I definitely do. It's just I'm not perpetually near a water fountain. I guess that's fair. It's not a high school anymore. Yeah, sadly. You're on your own. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, I'll talk about one of my programs that get crashed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What crashed in my program is um, the fact that I don't know if you guys have seen this in your like classes or anything, but like you'll be you'll be going to lecture halls, and some seats will be empty, but some seats will have people stuff in it. Like people will put their jackets and bags in empty seats, even though they're not, but they're not like saving it for anyone. They're just putting it down to occupy it. Yeah, and I don't really understand like why people do that, just in general. Like early, especially if the class is still being filled up, because mm-hmm. it, it it implies that the seat is taken, so people won't take it. But then you ask if it's taken, and they're like, oh, no, and they move their stuff. But it's like they put their stuff down wanting to, like, in the hopes of pe- that people won't sit next to them, mm-hmm. which I guess isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just, I don't know. And I, I understand why people do it, but it just seems, I don't know, <clears throat> like not respectful to other people. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, a lot of classes that we're in are pretty packed. Mm. Um, and oftentimes, I feel like most people don't, like, I, for one, most definitely don't know most of the people that are in there. Um, so maybe people are just really not wanting to socialize with someone or have someone sit right next to them. Yeah, I mean, it's like this. I'm like, I'm not in a full class where every single seat is taken. So there are empty seats and there will be empty seats. Mm-hmm. It just, I don't know, something irks me about not leaving seats, like uh, occup- occupancy be left a chance. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. They're, yeah. they're, they're changing they're, the game. They're forcing people away from you. They are. It's, they're playing mind games, basically, with anyone walking through the class. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, but I've definitely done that. Really? Oh, that's yeah. why she didn't say anything. Yeah. She, was just, she was just <laughs> watching. Real quiet. I was waiting like, until... Uh, <laughs> real quiet in the background. I hate to break it to you, but, yeah. Okay, well, then why do you do it? So I can get into the rash. Because <laughs> the tables... This is actually something that crashes my program. The fact that tables are so small. Like, you don't have enough room to put all your stuff like on one table so sometimes i'll like if there's no one sitting next to me i'll put up the next table like next to me and put half my stuff there and then keep half of it on my desk and then like i'll just spread out my stuff <laughs> as much as i possibly can mm. yeah Why but which is on the ground i mean i do also but then it gets in the way like people are trying to walk past you and they're like stepping over your stuff and you have to move it mm-hmm and also just like less accessible i see but obviously if like someone wanted to sit next to me i would mm-hmm. like maybe. move myself but maybe <laughs> I, know, I do feel like those people who um like the man spreading people mm-hmm. talking about like on like subways and stuff how yeah. you shouldn't spread your legs so i don't know uh, yeah. it's a tough time it is <laughs> hard life all right victoria yeah. what do you have all right well some things that are one thing that crashes my program is the fact that it is often so difficult to email people or contact them <laughs> or reach them just in general yeah just in general <laughs> uh there's no you know single specific event or anything but i just mm. feel like most pe- more people should answer their email if they have their email listed somewhere mm-hmm. as their only like form of contact i oh, feel I that they should be checking it pretty mm-hmm. regularly yeah it may get to the point though people just have so many different emails because they have a lot of different positions that they don't end up checking it yeah i guess that makes sense but i don't know there's like there's definitely a hierarchy of response priorities mm-hmm. like by means of communications yeah 
Like, I feel like email is pretty far on the, down on the list oh, for yeah. people. Yeah, true. most definitely is. Yeah. Like, if they put their number up and you could, like, call oh, them yeah. or text them, like, they're kind of obligated to respond. Mm-hmm. Although, I have texted people and been ignored, so, mm. yeah. Yeah, that definitely does happen, but I don't know. You almost have to have a skill at being ignored to be able to text someone and still be ghosted. Yeah, you have a habit of just being ignored. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, luckily, we live in a time where you can email people. It's immediate. But I don't know. It's it's a problem, but it's always going to be a problem. I don't think it's unique to people in college or anything. Yeah, no, I definitely think that... Uh, just communication in general can be a difficult task to accomplish for many people. Mm-hmm. So you got anything else that really gets crashes my program? Um, I mean, I don't know how y- how much you guys can relate to this, but I wear turtlenecks pretty often. Oh yeah, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Extremely relatable. Especially now that it's colder, you know, I like a good turtleneck. But okay. after a full day's worth of wearing one, it gets pretty of, of turtlenecking. Yeah, of mm. turtlenecking. Mm, I see. Um, I sometimes, you know, it just really itches my neck. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> like you start getting a rash, and it's like, you Dang. know, is the turtleneck really worth it? Well, is it? Yeah. Them, so. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yes. That's pr- quite yes. definitive. Actually, beauty is pain. Style is pain. Wow. Can you yeah. get like neck protectors? Oh yeah. yeah. Wear like a rash yeah, guard. Like a neck rash guard. Yeah. 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 When I used to surf a lot, um, actually, it happened to me pretty recently. I went surfing before my calc midterm a couple weeks ago. Mm, yeah. And uh, yeah, I went out. Yeah, obviously, as as one does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was surfing for about two two and a half hours or so and it was pretty cold but mostly the thing that was kind of like bugging me was the fact that I was wearing like a really thick wetsuit so every time I would turn my neck to look back at a wave that I was paddling for Mm. uh, it would rub a little bit and it reminded me of times early when I was pretty young surfing in California for some reason I would get neck rashes all the time from my wetsuit and it, it started happening much less often as I got older and then I got it again this time and it just brought back so much like pain and just painful memories mm-hmm. um but yeah definitely the neck is a is a sensitive place yeah it's not a fun place to have a rash yeah yeah it's very painful but yeah. I mean the surfing part was very worth it I definitely enjoyed that yeah I've, I've never been surfing so I definitely How? would well, I don't know if I would recommend it. It's very hard to learn if you um, have never done it. And so if you don't want to just be, like, cold all the time and, like, getting tumbled by waves, mm-hmm. um, it, it might be better to stay out of the water. But Does I it think have to be cold? I well, I guess it depends. Everywhere I've surfed has been cold, and everywhere near where we live oh, is yeah, going to be cold. Uh, except for in the summer. It can get actually kind of balmy out here, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, usually it's wetsuit temperatures and regardless, a lot of times it's getting like tumbled by waves and there's like an old surfer saying where it's like, like if you don't know how to surf, don't learn or something like that. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, surfers can be very territorial about their waves. And that's something that's kind of... I feel like it's it's almost become, like, a, a societal norm as far as, like, surfers go. Mm-hmm. For, like, locals to be a little bit protective of where they surf and try to keep outsiders away from it. Yeah. And so when people who are, like, just starting to learn how to surf are, like, getting into an area uh, where there's more experienced surfers, oftentimes there's uh, a tension between those where... So usually uh, an inexperienced surfer, when they drop into a wave, they'll kind of just go straight down the wave and then just get like smacked by the white water and like fall over. And oftentimes when you're an experienced surfer, you go on an angle to the wave. Mm-hmm. And so you're mm-hmm. actually riding down the wave as it breaks. Right. And so if someone's doing that and then a person drops in straight in front of them, uh, it can cause problems so they can either hit each other or it'll mess up the person that's actually trying to ride the wave they'll lose the pocket of energy that they're kind of riding in and uh it can be very frustrating and so that's oftentimes why people try to keep Mm -hmm. beginners out of the water it can be a very hostile place but i definitely think that it's a really cool thing to do and there's a lot of ways to like get around in the ocean and, and play around and have a fun time um even without surfing like you can boogie board, you can body surf, right? Just swim around. How would you compare the surfing, or like surfing here versus in California? Uh, I've actually enjoyed. I've really enjoyed and been surprised by the quality of surf that's been around here. I went down surfing in Rhode Island, and then uh, the most previous time was in Massachusetts. It was just I think it was about an hour and twenty minutes outside of Boston. And both times, the waves have actually been pretty nice. And the area where I surfed when I was in California, um, it didn't always have the best waves. It usually was really small or really closed out where you couldn't actually go anywhere because the whole wave would break at the same time. Mm. So you'd pretty much just get flipped over. And, uh, yeah, I've I, the first time I went surfing here was actually really good. It was really windy, but as far as wave quality goes, it was really surprising and and quite good it was big which is kind of rare for where i'm from and it, the waves actually had like power and shape which was really nice to have so i definitely i enjoy it to say the least are there a lot of people out there um not really it's much more crowded where i'm from so mm-hmm. i'm i'm used to there being a lot more bodies in the water right right yeah Definitely a fun time. Yeah, Very meditative. I don't know. I've just never really been a fan of, like, the ocean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I like the beach. So, like, sitting on a beach is kind of cool. Yeah. And I'm not, like, I'm not scared either. So, like, I'll, <laughs> I'll go into the No, water. I'm not scared. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. <laughs> but, um, no, but, I mean, it is, there's a weird feeling. It's, like, at least in the open ocean, just feeling like that, like, say you drop something and uh-huh. it's gone forever. Yeah. Right? Or just the feeling of just a wide open ocean mm-hmm. and really deep water all around yeah um and you don't know what's under there Mm -hmm. there's a word for it it's like alisophobia or something which is like fear of the ocean really Mm -hmm. but Uh, um, is it just a fear of like really just large unknown open spaces no like it's like ocean like specifically like like greek for ocean or something i see how do you feel about like lakes seas seas just i think seas are kind of like oceans yeah (laughs) how do you feel about (laughs) lakes it's a glorified ocean um yeah, I guess. I mean, I'll, I'll swim in the lake. I mean, I'll swim in the ocean, too. I've been, like, snorkeling and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, I don't know. It's not a huge fan. Like, 
I'd rather do something else, I guess. Mm-hmm. But he, I mean, I guess just swimming in general. Like I didn't really, I don't really, I'm not a huge fan of swimming. I know mm-hmm. both of you guys swim, so yeah. it's different. Yeah, slightly biased. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. I've just never really been into swimming, which is funny because my dad was like a swimmer in college. Really? Yeah, so wow. he swam at the college he was at. That's you know, cool. Stuff like lifeguards and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's I really got into it. I can mm-hmm. swim though don't enjoy it yeah <laughs> <laughs> i just hate every second <laughs> i'm crying but you can't tell <laughs> yeah i find the water to be very meditative it's a it's a great way a great place for me to like kind of clear my mind and look out into that open expanse of water and that per- like perfectly horizontal horizon and just kind of think about whatever comes to mind and oftentimes i'll like lose focus and like stop paying attention and and waves will come by and i like won't catch them but mm-hmm. then it's like another one will come eventually so yeah it's it's really nice to kind of just like feel the rhythm and power of the ocean that's i I don't know maybe that's why hippies started to (laughs) Mm. to to love the ocean so much and and become like such surfers but i can see why it's Mm. very very calming yeah i'm personally pretty bad at surfing but Mm. the past few times that i've gone out like even just sitting out there waiting for a wave that i probably won't catch (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Deep. <laughs> Very deep. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> just um, like the ocean. <laughs> I was going to say that, but... <laughs> um, all right. Well, something else that crashes my program is um, the elevators at Newhouse. And just how long they take to close. I oh. mean, I guess it's not, it's not really a problem since you can click the door close, but... Mm-hmm. But, like, so someone first walking into the elevator... Like, I'll never usually cl- click the door close button because I usually think they don't work. Yeah, a lot of times they're like placebo buttons. Yeah, mm. which kind of like the the crosswalk buttons, mm-hmm. <laughs> where like you click it and you think it works. Which yeah. actually sometimes they do, and a lot of the new ones actually are um, more meant for uh, like handicapped. Yeah, people, right. So yeah, like deaf people. Like the audio. So when like whenever you click, it, like wait, 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 wait. Not uh, deaf it people. works perfect Blind for deaf people. people. <laughs> 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 they're like what? <laughs> but um. yeah, so it's more like a means of like, yeah, providing like accessibility yeah but um for elevator cl- closed buttons they typically don't do anything yeah. but these ones the ones at our dorm at new house do work and if you don't click it the door will stay open for like, ever painfully long yeah mm-hmm. and it just leads to these weird scenarios in which like <laughs> say you're in an elevator already and like um you're going you're going down and someone else comes in the elevator and they're also going down to the same floor but then no one's going to click the button now because like they are to look see the button is clicked then someone has to make the first move to click the door close button. Mm-hmm. And then you go, both go for it. And, you, <laughs> like, oh. and then it's just awkward. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you have to start holding you both hands after pull that. Pull back. <laughs> yeah, you simply must. Yeah. <laughs> or like even um, clicking the door close button immediately after you walk in because now it's a habit, but then there's someone else coming in. So now, now it looks like you oh, yeah. purposely oh, yeah, clicked the door yeah. close button. Mm-hmm. So it's just a lot of weird scenarios. Mm hmm. And, and if you don't press it, the door stays open for so unreasonably long. It's it's really painful. It's I think Newhouse did that to make up for the fact that their elevators actually go at like a normal speed. Because I feel like the McGregor elevator takes so long. Like to go up one floor. Whoa. Okay, that's another thing that what? crashes my program. <laughs> I've had I've like been in the elevator you know, trying to go to the 14th floor and people have gotten in and they just like, they click the first floor button and like it takes longer for the <laughs> elevator to go up one floor than it would for you to walk. Walk up like one flight of stairs. Yeah. 
That is true. But I mean, no, I mean, I, I agree. Some people don't need to take the elevator. Mm-hmm. So, and also, the stairs are sometimes, I don't know what the McGregor stairs are. Sometimes they're pretty they're close out of the way. to okay. the elevator, but yeah. But also, how can you tell how fast the McGregor elevator goes? Because it skips every third floor. <laughs> That's, That's true. true. It's really basing going three it times off of, fast. Yeah. yeah. At least. <laughs> we don't have exact calculations. It could be faster. <laughs> yeah. But no. It's, I feel like it's pretty fast, personally. I agree. Because, like, I'm just thinking, like, going up 14 floors. Yeah. Of course. I guess it's like it just takes a long time to speed up and slow down. Mm. Like it'll mm. like we'll pass the first floor going down and it'll still be a full like seven seconds, which is a long time if you think about it, before it like gets all the way to the ground. Wow, that is actually really long. Yeah. yeah. I guess they need Victoria basically needs more stimulants. She needs yeah. to like mark every half floor I just need the elevator to be clear so I can see exactly where I am at all times. Yeah. It's like those um it's like how people add like loading things so like or any anything like where you download a file and loading the, oh, the, yeah. the progress yeah. bars. There's like a lot of times those progress bars aren't even like real progress bars because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just hard to predict what the like how program's gonna load in the yeah. future. So they put them in just so people know it's doing something that's that's the main purpose of progress bars is so that users will know that it's uh, like a, pro- a computer is like executing the task still yeah mm-hmm. so even though like it could be stuck at like 95 percent for for like ever it'll eventually take over and then it just jumps immediately mm-hmm. so it just uh it's a psychological thing so people know something's happening yeah yeah another psychological thing is that people in elevators or like elevator waiting areas they'll put mirrors in there just because people like Time passes faster because people are like looking at themselves in elevator waiting areas. <laughs> well, like, like just in, like in, in an elevator. Well, no, like, like, like outside oh. the elevator. Whoa, hmm. I, mean, I guess inside the elevator too. But like, I know a lot of ele- like places. What would you call that? An, an elevator? Like a the lobby? Outs- like where you click like, like elevator any part lobby, of the floor where you'd like go oh, to the near yeah. near like the elevator outside door. the elevator doors. Oh, I mm-hmm. see. It, they'll have like mirrors there. People mm. just. Look at themselves. So narcissistically. (laughs) Why don't we have mirrors in all waiting areas then? Like at the doctor's office? (laughs) 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 What? (laughs) Just everywhere where you have to wait. That's why they have magazines. And your phone. Yeah, it's it's more of a problem like way back when when people didn't have anything else to distract them with besides their own face. (laughs) (laughs) They should put... um, was it was it you was talking with yesterday about the study where they had like a shock button? Yeah. Yeah. So there's yeah. one study that like um they put people in like a room for like half an hour or something and they they put a like a shock button on them and they told them to click it and they click it and it shocks them and they're like whoa and then the researcher asked do you want to touch that again and they're like oh no like why would and then I the wanna? Re- <laughs> and then the researcher's like okay and he leaves for half an hour and, and the researcher's like okay just wait here until we get uh, get you ready for the study and then they leave and then um so they just sit there for like minutes and then like i can't remember what the median time was for like people clicking the button again i feel like it must have been like around 12 minutes or something like that 12 minutes i feel like it might have been shorter really yeah because people just get really bored and then yeah. they touch it again and they shock themselves and then some of them like laugh like oh yeah exactly. <laughs> like they weren't expecting it yeah but um yeah so people just people like stimulants mm-hmm. yeah i would click the button there's a mm-hmm. Did you ever see the study about like a completely silent room and what what it's oh, like? Oh, like sensory sensory deprivation. Well, not even. Well, yeah, kind of, kind of sensory. De- it's it's a room that's dark and, uh, 
it's the it's the most soundproofed room in the world yeah and when people go in there they usually can only last around i want to say 40 minutes max that seems like a long time without yeah. going crazy like not not without like being bored like without actually going like having a mental break mm-hmm. um which i think is pretty astonishing and some like from descriptions that i've heard of people that have been in there it seems like you get to the point where your hearing becomes so attuned for any sound that it can like, kind of latch onto that your heartbeat starts to sound really loud and every movement that you make and like everything that you do with like your mouth or thing that rubs on your skin or your clothes mm-hmm. becomes so amplified right and then i think at that point people start to like have auditory hallucinations and things start to get really weird and that's usually when they start like breaking down (laughs) so these were studies that were done on like people that were just in the because doesn't it seem kind of unethical if they were getting to the point of like a mental breakdown well it was usually people that went in there for like their own research purposes like it was their like, fault. Yeah. <laughs> well, like they, they, <laughs> they like, asked for it. They, it was people that were researchers or something like that that would go in voluntarily uh, and do that, knowing knowing what the effects were. Well, not necessarily knowing what the effects were, but knowing that's like the quietest room in the world. And then they had like plenty of outlets for help if they needed it. Hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, that is kind of creepy. I think there's like a Vsauce video of yeah. him going. Yeah, yeah. Into the sensory depression deprivation room. There's also another Vsauce video. Um, where he's like in a room, it's like a normal room, but, um, and there's a bed in it and like a sink and a bathroom. Oh, is it the room that's all white? But it's all white. Yeah. And the lights are always on and there's no clock. It's so Mm. weird. And the goal was to last three days. And you have no idea how long. You have no idea how long it is. And it also does no, the light never goes off. Yeah. So you you don't know what time it is. So, I mean, you can go to sleep. You can get like a face mask or anything to cover your eyes, but like. It's just you don't know you don't know how long time passes and you just don't know anything. You get food and all that stuff, but but the food is isn't it all the food the same type? It's all like in a bottle. It's like soiling green or something. Oh, is it? Or yeah. like no distinguishing like no, there's breakfast. Noth- there's nothing distinct. Yeah, it, it's all the same. It's yeah, all just right. bottles of soiling green and I think just bottle just glass bottles of water mm. that are completely unmarked. Yeah, but anyway, he like ends up like. I think he stays awake for like four hours and then thinks it's like nighttime and he goes to sleep. Yeah. For like another four hours and then wakes up like the next day. And wow. just keeps doing that and not like knowing what time it is. Yeah. So he like tries to keep track of what it time it really is. It really throws his body out of whack. Yeah. And he sh- tries to find like anything to do. He starts like trying to like do push ups to pass the time or something and then wow. work out stuff because like there's yeah. nothing to do in that room. And eventually he, um, he quits he, after he thinks. Didn't like, he get to the point of. He was trying to, like, talk to the cameras that he knew were in the room. He would, like, try to find them and, like, try to, like, hold conversations with the cameras mm-hmm. as, like, a way for him to, that's like, like his job keep his sanity. Isn't? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, so that's why people were so afraid. Like, his, I remember his mom was talking about this before he went into the room. She was, like, um, like, his whole, like, like, reason to do anything is essentially to, like, tell other people about it. And, like, he's really... Uh, like a show and tell type person and he likes to engage other people and so going into a room where he can't do any of that for three days is like mm-hmm. like she thought it was gonna be really difficult for him and it was right and uh yeah it was it was just really interesting to see how that actually panned out yeah but i mean even if like 
even if you weren't a very social person, like humans just need social interactions because yeah. how they work. So I feel like social interactions and just stimulants in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just not being able to do anything else. Because even if you don't meet anyone, like you could still interact with people online, mm-hmm. even if you don't know them. Mm-hmm. But like just not being able to do anything yeah. at all is just insane. Which How guess, long did he last? I think he lasted maybe a day, day well, and a half or something. No, I thought he, I thought he went l- way longer. I thought he made it through the whole, the whole thing, three days. Really? Or I, maybe? Oh, actually, I think I remember him. I I remember there being a scene where he cracks open the door, he tests the door, and he realizes it's unlocked. Oh. Um, he starts opening it a little bit, and then he shuts it, and oh. and like just like keeps staying inside the room like the room's completely unlocked like he can come out at mm-hmm. any time and i i want to say that he completes it and ends really? up coming out and huh. kind of regaining normalcy like pretty quick but while he was in there things were pretty whacked out hmm. and again i'm not sure if he actually made it through the whole three days or not yeah i don't remember and also like this could also be dramatized like i mean i trust me he's also make a real video but he's also he makes yeah. money off of making yeah. videos, so it's very possible that this is um like it's all staged. But I, I mean, like I have no doubt that that would like happen to an actual person, yeah. like that they would go crazy. And I guess you could find out too, because like they have stuff like solitary confinement still, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so where they just keep people in rooms for days on end, yeah. and they don't have a choice to leave because mm-hmm. the door is locked. So I mean, it's just crazy what some people do end up having to go through. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, it's definitely not a. I feel like solitary confinement is actually, like, pretty inhumane. Just the fact mm-hmm. that... I mean, it, it literally is inhuman. Like, that's not what we're built to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like that oftentimes is, is, like, the worst punishment that can be given. Um, yeah, no, it's very it's very severe and harsh punishment. And there's, yeah. like, always stories about how people are, like, mentally affected afterwards. And it's, like, you end up, like... Solitary confinement is meant to punish you and you spend time, but it punishes you way after you do oh, your yeah. time. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, it's another one of those arguments about like, what is jail for? What is prison for? Mm-hmm. And, and after you serve your time, should you still be punished for the crime you committed before? Yeah. And stuff like that. So even stuff like restoring rights to um, ex-convicts mm-hmm. and all that. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff. We could, we were actually talking about that in our um, I mean, public policy class I'm in. Uh, criminal justice reform and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it's all interesting stuff. What was the uh, most shocking thing that you learned about criminal justice? I feel like there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the curtain that we don't really... Well, one thing we learned uh, uh, a couple days, or actually yesterday, um, uh, do you guys know about mandatory minimum sentencing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so basically if any um, listeners know, it's if you get caught with something like, um, say, like marijuana or something, the judge uh, has, like, has to give you like five years for example yeah so there was a mandatory minimum for um crack cocaine i believe it's like 50 grams you get like five or ten years yeah this isn't like this was a rule from like the 70s um and they changed it recently like 2010 and they bumped it up to uh 250 grams so wow and you can see the distributions um of like what people how people were sentenced like what how much cocaine people were found with um, so it was like a scatter plot kind of. So like you could see like the more people, more cocaine people were found with, the graph slowly like leveled out. So it's it was like I guess it would look like a like an inverse graph where it's bigger at the 
uh, towards like smaller ends. So most people are found with like five, 10, 15 grams of cocaine, mm-hmm. and it's petered off from there. But after 2010, you can see it, it, it had the same general shape where it petered off by like five, 10, and it get lower and lower. But at 250 grams, there's a little, little spike there mm-hmm. where more people were caught with 250 grams. And it's like, obviously people aren't just like having 250 grams and not 240 or 230. It was like, it's, there's a clear, like distinct spot where people are just more people have than be caught with 250 grams, which implies that either a lot of people want to have 250 grams right above the mandatory minimum sentencing or something else is happening between like law enforcement and wow. people getting mm-hmm. caught. Wow. That's really weird. And would you kind of infer from that that there's some sort of like planting or something that's happening where let me preface this with uh, all views are my own and are not reflecting <laughs> 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 are not WMBRs but um, yeah I believe so yeah that's crazy you'd think that that would only happen in like third world countries where crops are like completely corrupt but mm-hmm. I mean I guess you can't guarantee the validity of, of any justice system I guess because um, people are people and that's kind of just how the world works um, yeah kind of a dreary thought to have but i guess it's it's mm-hmm. trying to be realistic in a way yeah definitely i mean there's all those things too with like civil forfeiture where like police can um take assets of people they arrest too really yeah so like they can even like even in like drug bus they can take it and then use it for something else or like they can take like the car and then sell it again Really? Like so, it, it, like the individual police officer or the the police department? I think department? it's the precincts. I see. I see. The police officers. So they could like impound better. a vehicle and sell it. I believe so. I can't remember. There was um, who was it talking about? Oh, uh, he was talking about on um John Oliver's show last mm-hmm. night tonight. This is like way back when when his show was first starting. He talked about civil forfeiture and how police precincts use it to like as a means of like getting cash. Wow. So, I don't know. It's like it's an abuse tactic that police forces use hmm. extra income yeah it's a pretty scary thought it is but i guess we uh we gotta we gotta trust what we have um to some extent i guess you can't completely go against the uh the the efforts of law enforcement just because there are uh, a number of people that are corrupt in that yeah. area just because it isn't perfect doesn't mean it's not good. Yeah, at the same time, though, the saying is typically a few bad apples spoils the bunch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, phrase often gets cut off early. Yeah, <laughs> a few bad apples. <laughs> it's just a few bad apples. Yeah. Don't worry. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, I guess moving on. Another thing that really um, crashes my program is how insistent people are on the definitions of words like couple few and several <laughs> oh yes let me just ask you right now so <clears throat> what would a, like a couple mean in your mind two two i don't strictly believe that a couple is two i mean i understand that a couple is two mm. but if i say can i have a couple of something i just mean a few yeah i agree so why don't you just say a few <laughs> <laughs> no but a couple like i understand that a couple means like in like when it relates to people, it means two people. Yeah. But if I say a couple of some things, like, I would, like if I wanted two things, I would ask for two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I want a couple. So uh, I, I think a couple is few. But, like, the other day I heard someone say that several, like, is seven or more. Or what? no. No. It's no 
more than seven. No more than seven. <laughs> the, like as if several is short for what? like seven or all. Seven <laughs> or all. So if you ha- want to ask for more than seven, then what do you say? Many? Yeah, I want many. Multiple. Th- a lot. <laughs> I want a lot of that. I want more than seven. Yeah, so that, like people get really, I don't understand why people get really strict about this. But they do. They like they like prescribing definitions to words. <laughs> I feel that if you want a specific number, you can ask for that specific number. And if you just want a general, like, you know, somewhere in a range, then you can just say couple, many, few. Mm-hmm. I think they carry different intensities, though. They do, yeah. So the question is, I guess, where does the intensity cut off? I guess, yeah. The numbers 2, 3, and 7. 2, 3, and 7. So is a few, like, 3, 4? A few is 3. Three. A few is three. Yep. And uh, several <laughs> is seven, and there's nothing between that. <laughs> so if someone asks you for, like, a few M&Ms... I will give them three M&Ms. You would kind of... <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, I, obviously, I'd give them, like, a handful of M&Ms, but uh, if we're going by literal definition... Yeah, so I feel... Yeah, but there is no literal... If, like, if that is... If you would give them a few... If you gave them, like, a handful, and when uh-huh. they ask for a few, that is the definition of a few. Is it? Yeah. Is there no dictionary definition of few? Well, I'm saying, like, definitions change based on how people use them. Mm, yeah, I don't think there should be a numerical definition. I just like, feel like I always remember, uh, maybe I was learning about this in, like, grade school or something, but I was, I, I really feel like it was kind of told to us that a couple meant two and few meant three. I'm not sure if... I mean, they could have told you that in grade school, because that's how grade schools would work. they teach you definitions of stuff. Yeah. But... Like, in real life, definitions of words are based on how people use them. Yeah. So even stuff like, like, stuff like literally. Like, if you look up literally in the dictionary now, it'll say literal as in the real life equivalent of this or whatever. And it'll say literal in the metaphorical sense to emphasize a point. Mm. So literally means two things now. And one of the definitions is opposite of what it originally meant. Yeah. Mm. Just because people use literally like that. Mm-hmm. So, and then same with, like, there are a bunch of other definitions, like the definition of racism, for example. Mm-hmm. People use it to mean different things, whether it's just prejudice or if it has, if there's, like, a power dynamic that's involved, too. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, if you go on the Merriam-Webster dictionary page for racism, it says on the bottom, there's, like, a little footnote that says, keep in mind that the dictionary isn't the final arbiter of what words mean, and it's mm-hmm. only indicative of how people use them. And that's the only, uh, the dictionary is meant to be, like, a third person, like, observer view it's not meant to prescribe any meaning it's meant to just be descriptive of how people use it wow that's interesting mm-hmm. and yeah. that's really like that's the whole field of like linguistics um there's like two types of linguistics prescriptivist and descriptivist linguists where prescriptivist would design something like just like assign meaning to words whereas descriptivist will just say how it's used so like even stuff like um if people say like i could care less or something when, like, in reality, it's supposed to be I couldn't care less. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As long as you... I feel like as long as you understand the point yeah. of the phrase... I mean, oftentimes really it's just, like, figures of speech and idioms and yeah, things like Yeah, it's an idiomatic speech. Yeah. yeah, like, phrase anyway. So it doesn't have to make sense. So, I don't know. People get too caught up with definitions mm-hmm. and wanting to be right. I feel like that really is what it comes down to. It's like if someone's angry about something, they just want to be right for some reason. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't really envision a scenario where people get angry about a few or a couple. Well, maybe they're angry about <laughs> something else and just want to... <laughs> maybe if they're angry about something else and they want to just, like, get Events. you... They want to get you with something. <laughs> oh, I'll get this kid real good. Yeah. You know, see you know, coming. Oh, he's going to say like a few. I know he's going to do It's like when they correct your grammar, like yeah. the your versus you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or him and me, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. 
all the same. But like some languages have like like in French, they have like a French academy. And same in Spanish, they have a Spanish academy who like they lay down the rules of languages. So I know the French academy, they like they want to conserve the language, so like they want they don't want as many English words coming into the language. Mm. I see. So people will say like email and I say like they do it in English, so like email in French. But they want to use like the French equivalent would be like like Corre electronique or something like that, mm-hmm. right? So they 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 don't want these like anglicisms coming into the language. Wow. But people mm-hmm. still end up using them, so it's so more they're desperately trying to to halt progress. Yeah, it's I mean it's for the culture, I guess. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, we couldn't have that for English. I mean, you could. There are a lot of French-speaking countries. I just mean that English, like, what rules would we have? You know, English is already kind of. Yeah, it's true. English borrows a lot of a lot of words as it stands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think English actually has the most words of any language. The most individual words? Mm-hmm. I would. I could totally see that. During the Renaissance, people would just invent words for no reason. <laughs> they would just do it for the fun of it. Yeah, but like, it's not unique to English. But it's just, I don't know, I was surprised with that fact, I feel. Because there are a lot of languages that could have borrowed a lot of words. Mm-hmm. But I guess English, too, is in the unique position as, like, the British probably borrowed a lot of words from mm-hmm. other countries they colonized. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. It's the sheer amount of English speakers that they borrowed words. I also don't know how they count what counts as a word. Like, it's like I assume they don't count, like, every single, like, chemical compound is a different word. Mm. So, but, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Interesting fact. Linguistics is a, a mm-hmm. very diverse and interesting field. Oftentimes, it's more interesting than I actually take it for. Yeah, like if I had if I had more space in like my schedule and stuff, I'd I'd want to do like something in linguistics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially going here at MIT, this is like known for their linguistics department. Really. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. One of the uh, I don't know if he's a professor. Or he's so like beard Noam Chomsky. Mm. Supposedly like the father of uh, modern linguistics. Um, he works here, or he worked here. So yeah. they do a lot of stuff with linguistics. I know MIT likes to brag that our linguistics is better than Harvard's. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Oh. Sorry if there's any Harvard <laughs> listeners out there. Listening to the MIT student <laughs> radio Dang. at 9 to 10 p.m. on Saturday. <laughs> no, but Harvard does have pretty good, I've heard, um, language classes, like actual languages. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it goes both ways. Yeah, so I guess another thing that crashes my programs uh, is... The fact that, despite it being probably the coldest day so far since I've been here, uh, I was expecting it to be pretty cold, and I went outside, and, and you know, it, it delivered, and uh, I don't know what that was. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was decently cold, you know, in the in the 30s, low 30s, but I was trying to break in my winter boots. Because I think it's it'd be good to break into them before things actually start getting cold. Right. And so I was walking around in them. It felt great. And then as soon as I got inside, I, I mean, my feet were already starting to get like, kind of warm just walking around outside. Because I'm presuming that these boots are built for much colder temperatures than what we felt today. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting in my philosophy class and my feet were burning. It was... <laughs> wild they were sweating and just felt so hot and so it was like they were trapped in an oven and it was unbearable and it got to the point where after that class was over i walked all the way back to my dorm just to change my shoes because they were that hot and and this is like the coldest day so far in the year 
Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, it's not that cold, but mm-hmm. I really was thinking that it was going to be cold enough to warrant wearing these boots, but it most definitely was not. But yeah, I feel in general, like, the difference in temperature between outside and inside, it's like, what are you supposed to wear? Because, like, yeah. when you're walking to classes, like, outside, you want to be dressed, like, warm, but then once you get mm-hmm. inside, you're, like, sweating. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, like, would it even matter how cold it was outside? Because your philosophy class isn't going to, like, always going to match the temperature of the outside. Or, like, yeah. it's not always going to be 20 degrees cold, uh, warmer than it is outside. It'll probably stay around a certain range, mm-hmm. and it'll just get colder outside. Oh, yeah. So I feel like you're always going to have that problem with those boots. Well, so the like, thing is, I was hoping that, I mean, my feet were even hot just walking around outside. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, how am I going to endure this? Just walking and just being, I don't know, these boots, it's like it's being too warm. Yeah, I think that's, those that's, boots are just meant to go from point A to point B. Yeah. I mean, I'm Honestly, sure once I, you're walking I think through that, snow. I think they're going to be great for hanging out outside. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be their main use. But I really feel like just walking to and from class, I might just wear normal shoes. Yeah, I've seen people like walk in flip-flops shorts i don't know mostly about people <laughs> i don't know about that mostly people who live in like east campus because they don't have to walk too far oh, yeah but yeah like people will dress for inside not outside mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. alternatively you could bring a change of shoes, change of shoes yeah, I was but say. i feel that <laughs> like would be, a drawstring bag yeah yes, exactly no it's it's yeah it's definitely a hard hard thing to solve yeah the solution could just be make everywhere the same temperature yep Including no, no heating. <laughs> cut off, cut off all air conditioning, yep. all heating, all insulation. Mm-hmm. Or we could just speed up global warming. Yeah, or that, or that. Yeah. yeah. But then we run into the worst problem. <laughs> it's too hot outside. Mm-hmm. And you're yeah. freezing in the air conditioned mm-hmm. rooms. Yeah. A lot of places are like. Well, I guess it's not a really problem in the U.S., but like a lot of places like in Europe and other countries, they don't have air conditioning. Another thing that crashed my program: the lack of air conditioning in a lot of these places where it gets incredibly hot. Mm. I was in Spain over the summer. And a lot of places just literally do not have air conditioning. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I think I think it's I think it's just a cultural thing in the U.S. to just put air conditioning in everywhere. Man. So, I think a lot of a lot of times too, the mo- the people who die most of like heat deaths, I guess, heat strokes and stuff, aren't in like really hot places. It's in temperate places where it can get hot mm. because they're just not prepared for it. Yeah. Mm. So it, and it just happens, and they don't have air conditioning in their house. I think a lot of it is also just that, like, a lot of these European buildings are older yeah. than American ones. Yeah, it's hard to retrofit it. Yeah, even though it's, like, just a unit in the window, mm-hmm. they just don't bother doing it because they, they can leave the window open. Yeah. But then, like, as it gets hotter and as these cities get bigger and it's, like, huge heat island effect, as it gets hotter and you realize, like, you're going to start to need air conditioning. And the thing is that, like, the more air conditioning you install in cities, I think the hotter the city gets, too, because, like... The heat has to go somewhere, mm-hmm. so it just ends mm-hmm. up going outside the house. Yeah. So then the like surrounding area is hotter. Mm. So what a shame. Keeps feeding back in on itself. But yeah, I don't know. There's no way to solve that. There's no. I way. think we just got to suck it up mm-hmm. and be fine with being hot. Or just evacuate these places. Or migrate. Yes, exactly. Reverse migration. <laughs> <laughs> in the summer, just leave. disperse. <laughs> Move to Antarctica. Yeah, you could just yeah. You, I don't know what you could do. Yeah. Wow. It's a. I don't know. I don't know why that keeps happening. Yeah, it's weird because they have all this stuff in this room, like to block sounds. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't do it. Well, I, I'm pretty sure that the 
the soundproofing on the sides of the walls is to, pre- to prevent uh, echoing. Yeah. And weird acoustics. Mm. I'm sure it does a little bit of soundproofing as well, yeah. but yeah. obviously not, not yeah. enough. And imagine that you're like in a sensory deprivation room. Man. It's dark and you see it. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> oh, man. That'd be, yeah. Well, on the topic of boots, I wanted to say that one thing that crashes my program is how difficult it is to take your boots off. Because I feel if I'm coming back, (laughs) listen. You can untie them first. (laughs) But even when you untie them, like, I feel that it's so, it's such a struggle and it takes so much effort to take them off. Please don't look at me like that. Listen, when I'm coming <laughs> back after a long day of walking and going to classes and I'm, I've been wearing my boots all day, I just come back and I just want to lay on my bed. And But at first I have to take my boots off and I have to untie them and then I have to go through this whole hassle of like pulling them off and it's just, you know. I think you need to get better at untying your shoes. <laughs> That's all I'm hearing. We're getting we Velcro have, boots. Yes, Velcro <laughs> boots. I was thinking about those earlier today, actually, shockingly. Velcro boots? Really? <laughs> yes. I was, because the boots that I was wearing when I was, my feet were getting super hot, um, they have a special lacing system where most winter boots have this, where the laces are kind of open, like not connected to the shoe, and you wrap them around these like metal studs that stick out. Mm. Mm. And uh, it makes unlacing much quicker. See. And so it's kind of, it's like an easy, quick way to get out of them. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about Velcro boots and the biggest thing for a boot to do oftentimes with these heavy duty winter boots is for snow purposes. And when snow gets on Velcro, it makes it much less effective. Mm. So Mm. it can be, it can be, wow, it can get a little bit difficult to uh, take your, or keep your boots on, I guess, to keep that Velcro attached. But I actually have boots that are very similar to yours that you've been complaining about, mm-hmm. and I can probably take them off in about 10 seconds. <laughs> not to flex or anything. Yeah, not, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just kind of informing you. I mean, even if you untie them, it's like you have to up, just... You have to up your boot game. You have to untie them right. Okay. You have to really unlace them. Okay, I guess I'm going to have to go to you for you have like to go. A... You have to go all the way down to like the arch of your foot. And loosen all of that, and then your foot just slips right out. Unless you and have you can boots do that, that in are just ten too seconds. small, probably. It's just a lot of pulling, and then you're done. <laughs> all right, I'll work on that. Yeah. We need those like magnetic lace shoes. Man, oh, yeah. like in Back to the Future. Have you ever seen the? Oftentimes, it's for like track shoes and some sports shoes. They have laces where it's a dial, and so you can press two buttons on the dial and it pops out and it releases all of the lace and so and so it completely loosens and you can just pull it open and put your foot in and then you twist the dial and it starts to pull the laces in and you just keep twisting it and it just tightens it all the way down it's really cool it's really nice there was this kid i knew in high school who was a really good golfer and he was sponsored by like tailor-made and all of these really big golf brands he he's like an amazing golfer i guess mm-hmm. and he was showing me his golf shoes and they had that and i was shocked it was it, it was like astonishing to me and then i saw them a couple other times with like some like sprinting flats and mm-hmm. some like spikes and stuff it's like like sprinting shoes right, for, right, for track tracks. and field yeah. yeah 
and they had those and it was really futuristic and it was really cool i think some basketball shoes are also starting to hmm. have those i'm not totally sure but if, does the knob not come like easily like untwisted um that's the one thing that i'm not totally sure about i mean it's it locks in place oh, it's okay. like one of those where um it like has like it, like it has like ridges where where it clicks over essentially and then okay. when you press the button it releases those oh, okay. and allows it to slide back and I think that's like the main tightening mechanism. Mm-hmm. I'm just not totally sure if it's as secure as other shoes because I've seen a lot of like professional basketball players obviously still wear laced shoes most of the time, mm-hmm. like traditional laced shoes. So I'm not totally sure if there's something barring that from being used mm-hmm. by like professional yeah, athletes. It's the big shoelace industry. Yeah, <laughs> the big shoelace. Big shoelace just blocking it. They're blocking progress. Yeah. Do you guys typically double knot your shoes? Uh, yeah, actually, I, I normally do because for some reason, the way I tie my shoes results in them coming undone very easily, especially my boots. Mm. Those things will come undone almost oh, immediately. Yeah. I actually just tightened my shoelace as like right before <laughs> we were talking about this because it was starting to come undone because I actually didn't double knot them this time. Yeah. I usually double knot them, one, because it's easier not to get untied, but two, because my shoelaces, I don't know why, they're just really long oh you do have mm. very long shoes i don't know what happens but on all of your shoes actually yeah i don't know why i guess maybe I, like, your feet are just skinny small. Feet? yeah yeah but they're long still because i <laughs> long, wear, like long skinny feet <laughs> they wear like a size 13 shoe wow right but i don't know the shoelace is just really long so they always like dangle so I, sometimes i triple knot the lace wow just because i have to that is a lot like if i could choose i would choose to single knot it because mm-hmm. it just looks nicer mm-hmm. like wrapping a present or something yeah yeah but I'm forced by circumstance. Dang. To I mean, you could try like tucking in your shoelaces. I, I do that sometimes. Like I'll I'll tuck the loop underneath like the little like yeah. cross ridges, uh, cross Dang. laces and stuff. But they're just it's always long, and it, I don't know how to solve this problem mm. aside from buying new shoelaces and giving money to big shoelace. I have <laughs> I actually have some extra shoelaces. I think. Really? Yeah, they're bright red though. Uh, oh, <laughs> I have some bright yellow ones if you would uh, like. I, I, awesome. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh. Or you just get slip-on shoes. I definitely would recommend. Mm. The The slip-on Vans that I have were probably one of the most comfortable pairs of shoes I've ever owned. And they treated me well. I definitely really liked them. Yeah. yeah. I'll look into it. Yeah. Anyway, that's about all the time we have for today. So thank you for joining us. And we will be back in two weeks, hopefully with our full cast, if not a guest. <laughs> if not. And yeah. See you guys. Peace. Bye.